Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Williams, here in the office, making time to schedule with you to be able to pour into you and encourage and equip you through this ministry of EE Leaders. Uh, we love being able to share um, truth and leadership lessons with you. And so thank you so much for tuning in, for being a part of this ministry. And I want to encourage you guys, uh, if you've been blessed by this ministry, would you please share it, give it a review, uh, whether it be you're watching it on YouTube, subscribe to the channel channel, or even just send links out to your personal friends. This is a ministry by church leaders for church leaders. As you see, I'm not, I'm only a host. One of the few uh, people that are investing through this ministry to other church leaders. And we're seeing some great impact, amazing conversations this week about coaching, mentoring, helping, and just walking along other church leaders to encourage and equip them. Now, you may have heard me talk about my Patreon page, uh, but I want to let you know there's another way for you to support and encourage us to keep on going in this ministry is financially support this ministry. Uh, because through our Patreon page, we're able to give out a lot of resources, extra bonus content, digital resources, coaching. But did you know it's a simple way that you can just support us to be able to have more finances and more time to get resources out to more leaders? Would you consider joining that Patreon community for as little as $5 a month? You can literally just support us to get the workout and these resources to go further and farther and into more hands of more people. And so I want to thank you guys so much for all your support, all your encouragement, uh, just being able to show up and show in into this podcast and to be able to invest time in you is such a privilege and I look forward to my meeting with you uh, weekly as we have this podcast every other week now because we're doing so much stuff on social media with coaching with the Patreon community there's a lot of stuff going on and it's really exciting to be able to invest in you personally today. And so what I want to do is I want to jump right into our subject because there's a lot of content uh, that I have for us today because it's a, a pretty important subject that I'm pretty passionate about passing things on to others, uh, not only delegating, but equipping, uh, multiplying, uh, being able to reproduce, uh, whether that be a leadership pipeline or just simply mentoring, coaching and discipling others, the things that you've learned and passing that on to you. That's what I hope I do every time that you come here to this Leadership Lessons podcast as I pass important lessons on from things that I'm learning or people that are in my life or even um, just hearing other people godly counsel and wisdom. I love being able to pass things on to others and I want you to be able to do that too because the kingdom of God really grows in an exponential rate and multiplies in this way where God does a work in us, we're witnesses and we pass that on to other people. So how does that uh, involve with us with leadership, with uh, leading others and our volunteers and all that different stuff. Well, we're going to talk about that all today with different videos. But first, I'm going to start. I have some notes here about passing things on to others that I want to walk you through and sort of do uh, just a little Bible study based off of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. So today, what I want to do is start this video by saying there are four ways that I see and four ways that I want to talk to you about mentoring and discipling others, four ways to mentor and disciple others. And the verse that I get this context from a leader that I've learned a lot from, and probably you as well is the apostle Paul second Timothy chapter two, verses one through four. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ uh, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses 
Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know, for me, this verse is like a life verse. I want to be able to have fruit on other people's trees. Uh, God used this verse in a mighty way to be able to influence me, speak to me, and really give me a calling to invest in other people, faithful men that could pass it on to other faithful men and, and reproduce and multiply. And I've learned uh, important lessons from this verse that I want to pass on to you. Four ways to mentor, to coach, to disciple someone else. Uh, whatever that role in that position you have, I think that we can learn a lot from the Apostle Paul. And the first thing I, I think when it comes to mentoring other people is you need to be engaging. It say, he says, you, uh, therefore, my son, my son, in order to disciple someone, you got to really get to know them. Uh, discipleship is very relational. Um, an example of this is when Paul says Timothy and he calls Timothy my son. I actually did a word study. Timothy is described as his son 24 times by Paul in the New Testament. Paul and Timothy had this father-son spiritual relationship as they spent time together. Now, you may know the context. Acts chapter 16, Paul picked up Timothy and took him with him to do ministry. And I think that that is a really important part. If you're going to mentor other people, if you're going to disciple other people, you, they need to be with you. Um, we know this in Mark chapter 3. Jesus prayed all night up in the mountain, and he actually prayed that the, these disciples would be with him and that that way they would do ministry from the abundance of that relationship. And I think books are great. I think podcasts are great, clearly. I think training is great. But personal relationship is one of the most powerful forms of training, of discipleship, of mentorship. Um, I even think about Paul before um, he was uh, the great apostle Paul Barnabas went to go get him and brought him in to be with him. And Barnabas and Paul were ministry partners. Paul learned this relational ministry is an important part. And he, so he says, Hey, you, therefore, Timothy, my son, there is a relationship. And it started with Paul investing in Timothy. Who do you need to invest in? Who do you need to spend time in? Are you spending time with those that you're coaching, with those that you're discipling. Uh, it's important aspect. If you want to make disciples, it's going to take time and that's going to cost you relationship. I love what Greg Laurie said sort of about this context about discipleship and relationship and how important and key it is. He says, I have found that most effective sharing, uh, most, the most effective sharing takes time. It is far better to sit down for an hour and talk genuinely with one person that then rattle off just trite cliches to scores of people. Some of the most profound things Jesus ever said were in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. He talks to the Samaritan woman, see John chapter four, or Nicodemus, John chapter three. Uh, and these have been become great scripts for our evangelism. But Jesus took the time for these individuals. So how much more should we take time for those whom we are speaking to? And so it's really important that we take time and we um, really engage with those that we're discipling, that we spend time with people. Uh, and Timothy knew Paul loved him. Uh, Paul was writing to Timothy personally. You, therefore, uh, there was a rarely a relational aspect of this. And I think that you need that, especially if you're going to coach, you're going to mentor, and you're going to correct and rebuke and really guide people into truth. You need to have that relational capital because as iron sharpens iron, there's going to be some sparks that fly as you're personally counseling one another in God's word. And uh, I think about this personally with my relationship with my wife. Uh, she coaches me all the time. She has a gift of discernment, 
full of wisdom. And she is a very important voice in my life because I trust her. She speaks and wants the best for me. And I know that she wants the best for me because I have a relationship with her. So when she's like, Daniel, you're speaking about this in an arrogant way. You're being boastful here, which sadly I often am. She corrects me and I listen and I repent and God uses her. Uh, We can be people that God uses in people's lives as we love and care for them. And you see this, Paul, uh, even in chapter one of second Timothy, he rebukes Timothy. Hey, you need to fan that flame. You, you need to, you need to stir up the gifts that God's given us. You don't have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of power, a power. Uh, you need to do this. Or even in the first letter, this is the second letter Paul's writing to Timothy. The first letter, he says, Timothy, you need to guard the deposit I've given to you. He was engaged with Timothy, relationally knew what he was struggling with and was able to speak into that. I think that's the critical thing, the most important thing when it comes to mentoring, discipling, coaching, there needs to be relationship. But the second thing we see in this verse is Paul was uh, encouraging. It wasn't just all rebuking and engaging and correcting. He was encouraging. He says, hey, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Remember that ministry is based off of grace and the grace of God. It was God's grace that saved us, that has called us. And it's so discouraging as you serve the Lord, you need people to come alongside of you to encourage you. And simply even just to remind you of the truth that you already know. I think even the stuff that I'm sharing with in this leadership podcast, nothing is new under the sun. Uh, and that's what Ecclesiastes says. It's not like I'm this great uh, guru person. I'm just another uh, minister of the gospel, just like many of you, church leader that is serving the Lord. And God is doing work in my life that I just want to pass on to you and encourage you. Don't give up. Stay in the fight. Keep going. Uh, Man, we get so discouraged because we blow it at times and we need people to understand and to remind us, hey, in our weakness, God is strong. We have his grace. Paul's saying, be strong in the grace. Don't be strong in your own efforts. That can be discouraging, but he's trying to give Timothy an encouragement. He's like, my son, I know you. I know the struggles you have. Don't forget about God's grace in the situation. Timothy wasn't that mighty. Remember, he had a weak stomach. And uh, would even uh, cry out to Paul and say he misses him. And there's this this weakness about Timothy. This Timothy, uh, this Timothy was timid, right? Uh, but Paul really always would encourage him: do the things God's called you to. It's not just me thinking about you. There's been other men that and elders that have laid hands on you that have prophesied. Don't forget about your grandma, your mother. He's just bringing up faithful truth to Timothy. So much so that Paul in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy in chapter one, verses 12 through 16, he even uses that as an example. He talks in Timothy openness and candidness of his weakness. I think this is important. Sometimes that we can encourage people, not by sharing our strengths, but our failures, our weaknesses. Paul said this, I thank him, speaking of God, who has given me the strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. But he goes on and says, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul would say he's the chief among sinners. He would bring encouragement and tell Timothy to be strong in grace because he needed to be strong in grace. Remember, Peter says, I shepherd the flock among you. We can't talk down to people. We need to be encouraging. We need to share our failures, our weaknesses. And bring truth into the situation. Uh, Paul was reminding uh, Timothy how awesome God's grace is and it was available to him. And I think that that's what we need to do. 
Well, you may say, well, I'm not very encouraging. You can be because you can speak forth truth, prophetic truth that God wants to speak to other people. We have the Bible. Uh, you know, the Bible says that, um, that all scriptures breathe out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you want to encourage someone, speak life into them. Proverbs 18, 21 says, we could have the power of the tongue has death and life. When I encourage people, I try to bring forth truth and, and not bring up their failures, but bring up God and God's grace and tell them to be strong in what Jesus said. You know, Paul said, I could do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And he would tell that to the Philippian church. He would say, I'm the chief among sinners. He would continue to just remind them the truths of God. And that's what he's doing to his spiritual son right now. That's what you need to do as a coach, as a mentor. Bring up the wise teachings of Jesus to other people and remind them. We forget. Peter said, I know that you know these things, but I'm writing to you just so that you're reminded. I think it's good to remind people, Peter would say. We see this pattern throughout scripture, and that's an encouraging thing. Proverbs 13, 14 says, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life and that one may turn away from the snares of death. Are we uh, are we encouraging through our teaching? Are, are, is our teaching and our wisdom uh, our own experience, or do we actually add an element of God's word? This is why I think it's important for us, even in this podcast, to have good preaching, to preachers. I know it's weird, but in our weakness and in the weakness of preaching, the fallest, the folly of preaching, God says there's power in that. And we need to speak truth. And I'm just so happy that I'm able to speak truth to you to literally have a podcast where I have people sharing God's word and preaching specifically to preachers or to church leaders. That's important because we need this. And if we need this, we need to pass that on. And so what does it look like for you to speak God's word into people, to speak life into them? Um, people are discouraged enough, especially in ministry because of the power of sin. Let's show them grace and the power of God's grace for God's grace is greater than our sin. Amen. Right. And so, man, uh, speaking encouragement can bring forth so much life. It's vitally important into people. And as if you have a relationship with them, as you're relational, you can encourage them specifically with their struggles, with their weaknesses, with their failures or with their strengths, whatever it may be, cover them in God's grace, give them God's word, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is what uh, Paul was saying to Timothy. And that, I think that's what we need to say to other people. Where do you see grace in the situation? Be full of life, be gracious and speak those words. Well, the third thing, and remember I said there was going to be four from this verse that we can sort of help use as principles to um, mentor others, to coach others, to disciple others. Uh, one is be relational. Second is be encouraging. Now I just started with the ease. I got to finish, right? I'm a preacher. Come on. You know how it is. You got to be enlightening, be enlightening. The Bible says, uh, or the, Paul says, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, he's like, Hey, be enlightening. Timothy, do you remember the stuff that you heard from me? The gospel, the grace of God, uh, the things that Jesus said. Now I want you to sort of think about this because what I'm telling you to do is do what Paul did, but none of us saw the risen King and had a vision and experiences that Paul did. Right. And so this could be very intimidating because we can think, well, I'm not the apostle Paul. I really can't coach and mentor other people. Or maybe I've only been serving the Lord for two years or four years in ministry. I don't, I don't really have anything to say. No, you do. You do have something to say. You need to enlighten people with the grace of God in their lives and tell people and show people the grace of God 
in their lives. And so Paul had the power of the Holy Spirit, just like you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And God can work through you and through me just as much as he can work through the apostle Paul, just in a different capacity or in a different way. And God uses his word and his word is sufficient, right? We can make disciples today as well. And we need to preach not only with our words, that's that speaking words of encouragement, right? Principle number two, but Paul was enlightening Timothy and showing God's word to be applied. You have a great strength and power as you apply God's truth to your own life. It is salt and light to other people and to other people that you're discipling and mentoring. It shows them how to follow God. We need to preach the gospel, not only with our words, but with our lives. And that's what I mean by being enlightening. Show people the beautiful glory of God's grace, the beautiful glory of following the word that you're speaking to other people. Timothy didn't just hear Paul's messages because he had a relationship with him because he was speaking life. He saw it. He was enlightened to this message by Paul's life. You may remember Philippians chapter four, verse nine, whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul didn't just preach, but he enlightened, he showed, he, he showed and taught people with his life message. Um, I don't know who said this, but I had this in my notes. It says a good leader knows the way, goes the way and shows the way. It's a pretty common practice or saying a good leader. He knows the way he goes the way and he shows the way. Paul would say to Timothy in second Timothy one 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. When we, when I talk about being lightning or enlightened, show people how, what it means to follow Christ, be a mentor, not just with your words, but in your example. So be relational, be encouraging through your words, be enlightening through your life. And the last thing is be enlisting. Come on. I'm just working these ease, right? He says, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others. Also be enlisting. Paul tells Timothy, pass it on. Just like you saw me pass it on to you, just like Barnabas passed it on to me. I'm passing it on to you. You pass it on to other people. Look for faithful men who are able to teach others also. This is how the kingdom of God works. The things that you hear, hear and learn from your mentors and those that are discipling you, you need to pass that on to other people. And you may say, well, how? Well, there's a pattern in your life that you can pass on the pattern to other people. We are to preach it and we're to live it out, right? Same thing Paul's doing. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete uh, with complete patience and teaching. But he also said, don't just preach it, but live it out. 1 Timothy 4, 16, keep a close watch on yourself, on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will be saved. Uh, you will uh, save both yourself and your hearers. He's saying, hey, pass the message and your life on to other people and enlist others to follow you. Go after faithful men, not perfect men, but faithful people. It's okay to choose people to invest in. We see this pattern from Jesus and that's okay. You need to be okay and comfortable with enlisting people and saying, Hey, I want to disciple you. I think I can mentor you. You need to be okay in saying, I can't mentor everyone. You know, for us, and for me personally, this is one of the way I multiply my time is by making a video, uh, but I'm just teaching, right? But I also have coaching and cohort groups. Uh, I have a Patreon community that I'm specifically investing. Someone's 
I have two people in that group right now that are taking sabbaticals this summer. So I was like, great. Here are three books you should read. Here's some articles I wrote. Here's my experience. I personally am able to coach them and work through this personally with them because I'm in relationship. People in my community, in my Patreon community especially, I'm giving a little bit more time because I can't invest in everyone. I want to invest in the crowds. That's great. Jesus did that as well, but he also invested in 12 and then even in three. And I think with our time, we need to be enlisting to be able to see that it is okay to go after one, two, three people. You can't be spiritual sons to everyone. That's not good parenting. You are only in, well, we only have a certain amount of children are people that you can invest in. And so I love being able to invest in this amazing ministry. We've seen uh, the Leadership Lessons podcast really have a great reach. And and there are people that are listening, thousands of people that are subscribed. And we thank God for that. And we know that God's using that. But if I want to personally coach, mentor, and continue to invest in a more specific relational way, I can't invest in a thousand people and make a thousand phone calls. Uh, This is why I created a community. So that way I know that you're serious, that you want to come and be invested. And I have to enlist people and say, Hey, I'm mentoring you. You want my advice. We're doing this. And so it's sort of this full circle, right? Paul's saying, listen, go after the people that are full of faith, that are these faithful people that will pass it on with other people. And when, let me just give you advice. When you pick someone to mentor, look for character and chemistry. Don't just look for charisma. Most people in the church nowadays, we look for charisma, skill set. Oh, look at this guy. No, (coughs) go after people that have character. That's what faithfulness is. Someone that's immovable, steadfast, always abounding the work of the Lord, like that, that, you know, that your investment and your time is wise in them. But then you also got to go with chemistry. For example, I don't coach and mentor uh, very many women right? I have my wife. Uh, You know what I mean? Like I invest in her, but I'm not going to meet one-on-one with all these other women. And that's just because uh, a chemistry thing. I don't want to be putting myself in a situation like that. Or maybe I just don't click with someone and that is okay. I don't have to mentor everyone. I can enlist and say, Hey, is this a good fit? Is are they faithful? And you know what? God will build up character. He gives gifts to men and gives gifts to the church liberally. And so, uh, man, the process isn't a fasty, uh, isn't a fast thing. It's maybe not a glorious thing, but it's kingdom minded to invest in others, uh, invest in others. I've been so grateful. Even this week, I've had about three phone calls that have been an hour long to specific church leaders, pastors, planters, to be able to really invest and coach and mentor them. And, uh, It is so rewarding to live this way. So I want to encourage you to pass your faith on, pass your wisdom on. I pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. These videos are a blessing to you. So that way you can be filled up with encouragement, follow God, and then pass it on, man. Be relational with people in your mentorship. Uh, Be engaging. You know what I mean? Uh, Be um, encouraging. Speak words of life. Speak truth. Rebuke. Correct. That's encouraging as well. But give speak, speak life into people. Be, um, excuse me, 
Uh, be not only encouraging, but be enlightening. Give your life to people. Uh, let them know the power of your life. And as you're applying the word of God to your life, it'll actually bless them. And then enlist people, be enlisting, go after people and say, Hey, I want to mentor you. I want to coach you and you have something to offer. And so I hope those four principles helped you. Thank you guys so much for checking out this video and this portion of the podcast, because I just had to start off strong. I wanted to be able to just share those thoughts with you and I hope they were a blessing to you. And now I want to dive even deeper into this conversation of passing it on with others with sharing a leadership lesson by Pastor Trip Kimball. Uh, Pastor Trip Kimball, uh, he was just recently down in Delray Beach, Florida. We did a missions conference here and just guy full of wisdom has served the Lord for many years, um, started a Bible college, has this ministry even now with Poeman Ministries uh, where seasons pastors invest in other pastors and i just asked him to share as he was here in the house and doing ministry in delray beach a lesson to other people and he uh talks about more of the pipeline how do we train up other people in our ministries uh, to be able to pass it on to others pass ministry on to others i know a lot of guys right now uh, in the in in leadership are are struggling with that uh, they're wanting to pass their uh, churches on their ministries on and we need to be a do a good job in as church leaders to train up, to equip, to serve those that are the next generation. And so um, he gives some great nuggets, some more wisdom, and he actually uses a different text, John 13, which I think you're going to really enjoy. And so uh, it's been a blessing to have Trip in my life. And uh, I know that you're going to be blessed by this video. Enjoy his wisdom as well. Hi, I'm uh, Pastor Trip Kimball. I work with a group called Poyman, Past, uh, Poyman Ministries, a group of pastors, veteran pastors, and we work with uh, various pastors in various ways, coaching, mentoring, helping them, helping churches transition, uh, assessments, things like that. Basically, our, 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 our belief is, is that uh, strengthening pastors will strengthen the church. And uh, so that's, that's our goal. Uh, I've, I've been a missionary, been, I've planted a church, I've done just about anything and everything you can imagine uh, with ministry, including uh, physical work, janitor, leading worship, children's ministry, whatever. One of the things that I've found over the years is that there seems to be a missing link as far as helping people learn how to transition themselves out of certain roles into other roles. And, and so often there just is this cliff and uh, people either just burn out and they can't go on any further or they come to a place and something new comes up and they wanna go do that. And, uh, but there's, no, and there's a vacuum behind them. I've watched churches uh, fail because the, the founding pastor uh, moved on and put someone in who wasn't really ready or there wasn't a uh, a, a transition that went uh, smooth enough or long enough to, to get it to happen uh, so that it was fruitful and, the, and put the, the, the person in a, in a place that they could do well. Uh, when I transitioned, I planted a church uh, in uh, Southern California. And when I was called to go to the Philippines with, with my wife and I and her family, uh, I spent a year and a half preparing the church to transition. Now, I really didn't have a format or, or a plan or a, uh, really so much of a strategy except for what the Lord kind of gave me as I went along. 
many years later, as I started working through uh, uh, the, the things I did in the Philippines, which was basically training pastors and then later on establishing a Bible college, I work a lot with inductive Bible study. And one of the texts that I use a lot is uh, John 13, verses 1 through 17, the story of Jesus uh, washing the disciples' feet. But the backstory is actually a little more important than, than oftentimes what people take out of that story. And the backstory is simply, Jesus knew that his time had come. It was the time of the Passover, and he was eating the Passover supper with his disciples. And after supper, uh, before that, John primes us with, and this is found in John 13, uh, verses 1 through 17. Uh, John helps us understand that Jesus knew that his time had come and that he would be returning to the Father. He'd come from the Father, he's going to return to the Father, and now he was going to show his, uh, those who followed him and his people the, to the, the fullest extent of his love. And that's literally what the, the word means there when it says it lo he'll love them to the end, and as it says in some versions. Now here's the point. Jesus knew that he was gonna go to the cross. That was his mission, that was his primary mission. And he knew that his, uh, his followers weren't really quite ready to uh, take on everything that he was gonna transfer to them. And yet, the time had come. And so we see in his three and a half years of ministry, preparing them, all, all of the, that takes place, leading by example, delegating and all of that. But finally, it comes to the last night before he's arrested and betrayed, uh, betrayed and then arrested. And so I wanna share with you five ways that uh, a true servant leader will transfer leadership. And I call it the, you know, just simply the Jesus way, the Jesus style, whatever, however you want to describe it. It's what Jesus did. And we can see it right in the text of John 13. So if you want, you could open up a Bible, walk through John 13 with me. I'm not going to read it to you. Uh, this is a, a, a kind of a short format for me to do this. So I'm just going to relate it to you. But there's five different ways. And the first thing is you got to know the way. And so in verse 1 and 3, we're told by John what Jesus knew about himself, his mission, his purpose, and the timing of everything. And one of the things that I, I like to point out is that Jesus had nothing to lose. He knew who he was. And so he had absolutely nothing to lose. And, and one of the, the problems that I see with some uh, teaching on leadership or books on leadership is to be confident, self-confident. And, and what I found is, is when I'm self-confident, then I end up being, relying on something that, I, that is fallible, that is something that, that where I, I can make mistakes. So the one thing that I need to learn to do is not be confident in myself so much, but confident in the Lord and who he's made me to be, how he's gifted me, what, what he's called me to do. And so my confidence really is in the Lord. It's not in me, myself, and my abilities. It's my confidence is in the Lord. But how do we really know the way? Well, I find that to be the most simple, basic call of discipleship. Jesus said, if anyone, anyone, 
not just pastors or leaders, anyone wants to come after me, wants to follow me, wants to be one of my followers, they need to deny themselves, take up their cross, and then follow me. And here's how I break it down. Denying yourself is simply not giving in to your selfish nature. And the second thing is taking up the cross. We don't have a literal cross we take up. You know that. But what we do need to do is die to ourselves, And that's a lot harder to do. I found that marriage and parenting are pretty good ways of, of learning how to do that. Uh, but not everybody always gets that thing. But the, the main thing is, is as we follow Jesus, as he, we see him doing, as we follow him according to how he has called us to do, as, as Jesus pointed out to, to uh, Peter after he restored him in John chapter 21, and, and Peter's concerned about uh, how somebody else is following him, he says, what is that to you? You follow me. And that stuck with me over and over again as I've seen other pastors doing other things or other missionaries doing other things. And I say, Lord, how about me? And, and basically that's the message the Lord speaks to my heart over and over again. You, what is that to you? You follow me. Now the second thing uh, we find in verses four through five, and this is pretty easy, and, and that is you simply need to walk the way. In other words, be a living example. People need to be able to see how to follow Jesus by your life. I mean, it, it's so basic, I don't know that I, I need to spend much time on that, but we see that in Jesus. He takes off his, his outer clothing, which would be his rabbinical clothing, his, his role, and he, he stoops down, he takes a pitcher of water, pours it into a basin, and begins to, and he wraps a towel around his, his waist, and he goes around and washes the disciples' feet, and each one, he takes off the towel and dries them and puts it back around him, and then he goes around. And, and so we, we see just this simple example of a servant leader. He knew who he was. They knew who he was. And, and that's why when we come to the third thing, and you know, so, so just leadership, being a living example, is an absolute essential. We see that with Paul. Uh, uh, as he discipled Timothy and Titus, and he told them, look, it, your example is the most important thing about your leadership. So that should be, in a sense, a, a given for most of us. So that leads us to the third thing, and that is we need to show the way. Now, this is where I look at verses 6 through 13, if you will, in John 13, and, and primarily the dialogue between Peter and, and Jesus. So uh, Peter sees uh, Jesus going around, uh, washing the disciples' feet, the other disciples' feet, and even though they're all probably thinking the same thing, he blurts it out and he says, no, Lord, look, what are you doing? You're not going to wash my feet. And, and so they have a, uh, Jesus and Peter have a back and forth uh, with one another. And, and uh, the first thing Jesus says to him is, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing now, but later you'll understand. But that still isn't good enough. And, and, and Peter continues to protest. And finally, Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part with me. In other words, you will no longer be uh, my follower and, and part of what I'm doing in my mission. Now, he's looking at it from the standpoint of Jesus being the Messiah, uh, the, you know, the, the ultimate leader, and, and, and Peter wants to stay there, and, and he's devoted to, to Jesus. We've seen that over and over again. He's devoted to Jesus. 
And so once Jesus puts it, frames it in that way, Peter, unless uh, you allow me to wash your feet, uh, you won't have any part with me. Then what does he do? He says, well, then, you know, wash my head, my hands, my feet. Jesus says, no, that isn't needed. You're all clean. You just need your feet washed. He says, but not all of you are clean. And that's where he refers to Judas, who's going to betray him. Then he, after he finishes washing the disciples' feet, he takes his clothes, his outer garments, and puts them back on, and he sits down. That's the position of a teacher, a rabbinical teacher. He sits down, and he begins to teach them in verse 13. So here's the thing about showing the way. How, it's just simply an extension of our example, but there are times when we need to dialogue with people and explain to them, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's a really, really important thing. You, you know, you've heard the expression, you know, it's not taught, you just gotta, uh, it's caught, it's not taught. Well, you, you can't just teach people, but at the same time, you can't just expect people to get what you get. Sometimes you see things and get things that others don't. And, and so we need to explain why we're doing things the way we're doing. And, and if, you, if you go back and you track through what Jesus does through the Gospels, you see this. He'll, he'll say one thing to the crowd, and then when he's in private, he explains things a little further to the disciples. And when they don't get it, he, you know, he, he lays it on them. And he says, you know, are you still so dull? Do you still not get this? And then he, uh, there's times when he'll explain it further or he just says the same thing again and expects them to process it and think it through. So that's an important thing. You know, we're not talking about classroom or, or discipleship from the pulpit. We're, we're talking about more of a relational discipleship process. It's a really, really important thing in, in terms of uh, d- developing leaders. Now, a fourth thing is what I call making a way. And we see this in verses 14 through 15. Uh, Jesus begins to, to explain to them that um, uh, the, what he told Peter before. You don't understand what I'm doing now, but later you will. And so he explains to them. He says, you call me Lord and teacher, and I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I want you to do the same thing. And then he uses another uh, expression that would be familiar to them. You know, The person that sent out uh, with the message is not greater than the one who sends them out. The, the servant is not greater than the master or the, the, the student is not greater than the teacher, that type of thing. And, but he emphasizes not only that role and relationship, but also the very action, the activity that they're going to do. And, and it's not about washing feet. You know, if, if all you get out of John 13, 1 through 17 is to have a foot washing service, you're missing the major point. It is an example. It is a, a demonstration. And, and in this process, we see knowing the way, we've got to know the way. If we don't know the way, how's anybody going to follow us? The second thing is walking the way. They've got to see it in us. We can't just talk about stuff. They've got to be able to see that in us. And the third thing, showing the way, showing them how to do stuff and explaining why we do things. And then making a way. Now, what's making a way is basically, I believe that if you do discipleship well, which is intentional and relational, 
leaders will naturally develop from that. That's what I see with Jesus. Not everybody developed at the same level. It's what we see really uh, with Paul and, and Timothy and Titus. How Paul speaks to Timothy is different than he spoke to Titus. Titus, it was a very short book, it, it, very simple, very direct, straightforward. With Timothy, Peter, uh, Paul goes into much more detail. He encourages him a lot uh, and uh, writes two letters, as a, as a matter of fact. So uh, my sense is that Titus didn't need so much encouragement. He just, look at Titus, this is what you need to do, get it done. But with Timothy, there needed to be more encouragement. And that's part of the, the discernment that is required of us as leaders is to understand what do people need. Some people need more attention than others, just like a parent to a child. Not all children are the same. You can't, and in, although we raise them in the same home, we, we relate to them in different ways because they learn in different ways. And they have different ways of perceiving things and doing things and have different personalities and different characters and, and that sort of thing. So uh, this is one of those things that I feel that we, we just don't do a good enough job of, of, of making a way. And one of the things that I see of making a way is creating opportunities for people to step up into leadership. Start small. Understand what are people's strengths, what are their weaknesses, or, or the things that they're not so strong in. Oftentimes, I've found people want to do something that they're really not equipped to do. They're not gifted to do that. They're not even good at it. Now, sometimes you can help them move along in that, and that's fine. I mean, I've worked with people in uh, you know, discipleship, uh, developing uh, how to do things, how to teach, how to study. Uh, all those things, not everybody's going to do the same. Not everybody's going to do the same level. I found some people that, that I can just right away bring into a place of leadership. And others, it takes a long time and it's a long process to get them to that place. I've also found that some people are going to rise up to a certain level of leadership and, and that's where they're going to stay. They don't have the capacity or the gifting or the calling to go beyond that. And that's part of what for me as a leader, I need to discern that. I need to understand that. I, I, I can't just push someone into a place that they're not equipped or called to do. If I do that, I'm setting them up for failure and I'm also setting myself up for failure too. And, and, and the church body or the ministry and, and the staff that, that, that I'm in, involved with. And so, uh, you know, really it just is a matter of creating opportunities, handing things off. I was a worship leader for many years. When I was pastoring, uh, I had worship leaders, but there were times when, because of attitudes or problems in, in the worship leader's life, I'd have them sit down for a while and I had to take up the guitar, because that's what I played, take up the guitar and, and lead worship again. I, I really didn't like leading worship and then teaching. And so oftentimes what I would do is I'd lead worship, and then I would have the, the church wait on the Lord for a while, which was basically my way of transitioning from leading worship to what I was going to share in, in my message. Uh, so so I, that wasn't my favorite thing to do. So I would hand that off pretty quickly, uh, pretty early on. When I established a Bible college in the Philippines, uh, I had different uh, young men working with me. 
and, and I would uh, have them work as a, a TA, teacher assistant, as an intern, or I, I would start them out in the class. I would observe how, how, they, how they did. And so there were certain classes that, that I was confident that they could lead, and others I was well, maybe not so confident about that. And so I, I was careful with where I put them in. I want them to succeed. And I think that's a big part of making the way is we want to put people in a place where they will succeed. And we need to create those opportunities. But part of that is, is learning how to hand things off and delegate in such a way that we're not hanging on to them as we hand them off. That, you know, people know that. They, they understand if you're handing something off, but you're not really letting go of it, they're going to keep coming back and say, well, how should I do this? How should I do that? Or is this okay? Uh, when I knew that God was calling us back uh, to the U.S. from the Philippines, um, the, the Lord began to work in my heart. You need to prepare your staff for that eventuality. And so I began to do that. And one of the things I would start doing, uh, it was just an example. Uh, I had uh, basically three departments uh, in our training center. Uh, one for the Bible college, one for inductive Bible study training, and then another one uh, for our admin, and we handled short-term teams and, and did some uh, missionary training. And so what I would do is I would uh, have, have somebody over that, a department head, we didn't really call them that, but you get the idea, a, a leader of that area, and I would ask them to come up with a vision. What, what's their vision for where they want to go next? with this area of ministry or where we need to go next. But the other thing I would do is, is when they had decisions they need to make, I would, I would first of all start them out with uh, asking, well, what do you think? How, how do you think? Well, I'm, you know, and they, so then I would try to guide them towards making a decision, how to, how to start working on developing a decision. And then the next time they come back in, I would go, well, what do you think? And they go, well, such and such, and they would tell me what their idea was. So then I would pose questions. Well, have you thought about this? No, I didn't think about that. Have you thought about this? Yeah, and this is what we'll do. And so as I could see that they're processing things and they're really understanding that they can't just make a decision without considering what the consequences are or what the, 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 the benefit is or what the risks are or whatever, uh, as I began to see them, then I would just more and more back away from making those decisions. It's the same thing I did when I uh, transitioned to the church uh, uh, to, to lead the church in, in another pastor's hands. I did that work long before the pastor ever came. Uh, I, I worked with the, the board to, to make decisions on their own. I backed up, I backed away from making those decisions. And so that's what leads me to the fifth step and we see this is in verses 16 through 17. Now, the op obvious and ultimate application is what we see Jesus say in verse 17. Now that you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So we, it's not enough to know something, you gotta do them. But, but here's the thing that I see about Jesus, and, and this is probably the most difficult thing for us as leaders, is knowing when the time comes to step away and to step back. So I'll give you a couple examples. So I gave you one example in, in terms of the, the transition uh, of me being the, the founding pastor and, and, and preparing the body 
and the leadership in the body for that eventual transition. And then when I left, I left. I didn't stay on the board. I didn't, uh, I had, I, our, our church was at a growth point where we needed an assistant pastor. Uh, one that I had had, uh, had not done well and, and he'd gone, but I, I intentionally decided that I would not uh, bring in another uh, person to be an assistant pastor. I would allow the, the, the new pastor to come in and, and raise up his own guy because he is a different type of leader than I was. I knew he needed to have somebody that was going to work with him and would be his choice. And so I didn't do that, but we were right at that point. Well, uh, as, as, we, uh, as we began to, to uh, transition out in the Philippines, the thing that, that I, I began to realize is I, I have to prepare this eventuality uh, of, of handing things over. And so we did that and all that worked fine. But I found that the most difficult thing for me was transitioning off of the field and back into the U.S. And, and looking back now, I can see what God was doing. But at the time, I didn't really understand it. I'd been, I'm pretty much a type A personality, I guess. And, and so I'm used to getting in there and just doing things. And I'm a primary, I was always a primary leader. Even if I started out at the bottom, yeah, eventually I'd get to the point where I'm, uh, I'm the primary leader. And that was the thing the Lord was teaching me as I was growing older and I'd had X amount of experience and so on. Part of the, the, the major change that God wanted to do and, and the part in me that was hard to, to deal with was moving from a, a role of primary leadership to a role of secondary leadership. And it took a while. Honestly, it really took a while and I struggled with it. There's times when I still struggle with it, but I knew that there was a point where I needed to, to get out of the way. And I'm thankful that I learned it early, early on that I always need to be training someone up behind me because I never know what the Lord's gonna lead me on to do. Now I've trained people up and then the Lord's moved them out which at first I wasn't real happy with because I thought, hey, I'm training these people up to help me. But I began to realize that is my responsibility. As I get older, I realize my primary responsibility is to train up younger generations. That's my responsibility. How I'm going to do that? Well, that's part of what I need to be open to what the Lord wants to do in my life and, and through me. And so uh, I see Barnabas in, in uh, Acts 11, where Barnabas sees this, he's sent to, to, to uh, assess what's going on in Antioch and in this revival that's going on. And he realized this is the time and he goes and gets Saul, whom we know as Paul, and he goes and he gets him and he brings him back to Antioch because he knew the call that was on Saul or Paul, as we know him, he knew that he was called to be a, uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he goes and gets him and brings him back to Antioch. And well, as they say, it, the rest of its history. And we see that uh, through the, the book of Acts and on into, you know, from chapter 13 on Barnabas and, and Paul are sent out. And then eventually Barnabas is no longer in the picture. Barnabas understood his role. He understood when it was time to step away and move away and let Paul move forward. 
And, and that's an important thing. There's times when, as a leader, the person who's gonna come behind me is gonna succeed me and do better. I've seen that with the church that I planted. And so I just wanna encourage you in wrapping this all up. Look, at, know the way, walk the way, show the way, make a way, and then finally, step away, or if you want, get out of the way and allow those that are younger, those that are being trained up to move forward. And that is how the kingdom of God will move forward. That is how the church will continue to advance from generation to generation to generation. God bless you, and I hope this has been helpful in some way, and I'd be glad to talk with you more about it if you've got some questions and, and uh, want to have some more feedback. All right, God bless. Well, we've had already two sort of leadership lessons are talks about mentorship, coaching, passing things on. When you're working with people, it's important to understand that there's going to be conflict. As iron sharpens iron, man, sparks are going to fly. And so I wanted to share just a snippet of a Patreon interview that I did with a guy named Jeremy Sanchez. Now, you've probably heard of Jason Sanchez. This is his brother. And I do this interview with him. It's about 45 minute interview on our Patreon page uh, on the subject of human resources, because he's a, a VP of a human resource department of about uh, 300 organizations, tons of employees, has many years of experience, not only in the human resource department, but also serving as an elder, a church leader. And me and Jeremy actually serve on the board together of the House of Blessing as we started a nonprofit together. And so uh, I wanted to make sure that you get and glean some wisdom and go sort of give you a preview of uh, just our conversation that we had as we're working together, as we're having people under us. What are some wise things? For many of us, we may have a staff or an assistant, uh, a handful of volunteers. We need to learn some principles to be able to work together with people. And so uh, check out this interview and you can find the full interview on our Patreon page, where again, it's a monthly subscription where it supports the ministry here at uh, EE Leaders to get more resources out to other people. And part of your subscription to the Patreon page is getting a resource or a bonus content interviews like this that you're about to see. So enjoy this and I'll see you in a bit. Um, the other piece of that I would say is you've got to be able to deal with it. It's very easy to brush things under the rug and not address conflict when it needs to be addressed. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not fun. You don't like to have tough conversations, but the longer you let them go, the more things can progress and get worse. Um, and so I think one thing is just not being afraid to address issues. And that's probably a pretty common thing that I deal with is people coming and they want to vent about something or they have a concern. And my first question is always, well, did you, does this person know that you're really bothered and frustrated? Mm -hmm. And they usually say, well, no, I haven't said anything. And I, and then typically I will say, do you think it's fair to expect that they're going to change what they're doing or stop, you know, if you, they don't know or realize that you're really, really upset about this. And so, again, it's nothing groundbreaking or this like... Yeah, it's, al it's almost but, like Matthew 18. Like, hey, so you have a problem with the brother, go to them and uh, actually talk about 100%, it. 100%. But it is amazing how many times people won't. They'll yeah. go and talk to every other person in the, you know, in a church setting. How many times people, oh, I need to confide in you. I want to... And it's like, 
Next thing you know, they're talking about every other person except the person they have the issue with. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, the, the Matthew 18, I mean, that's exactly right. You owe it. Anybody would say, I want a chance to fix something, but I can't fix something if I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even if I feel like, well, you should know because what you did was horrible. I Maybe you, it's a blind spot. Maybe you didn't realize it. So I think being willing to have those conversations in the first place is, is the first step. If you're not willing to have the conversation, then it's not going to ever get better. Yeah. Well, Jeremy not only sat down with me and talked for about 40 minutes as we discussed just issues about human resources, working with people, dealing with conflict, conflict, but um, he also did a one piece of advice video that I want to share with you and uh, the importance of having empathy, working with other people, listening with other people. And I think it's a super important uh, conversation and piece of wisdom that he had about this conversation of passing it on with others. Because as we deal with conflict, as we think through things, uh, we need to listen to other people. We need to empathize. We need to make sure that we aren't just uh, being a big boss man, but we're equipping people. You know, I think it's said that If you pass things on to people um, and just tell them what to do, you'll get followers. But if you empower people, you'll get other leaders. And that's really the big idea. We want to get other leaders. We want to have a pipeline to as church leaders to other church leaders, encourage them, pass them on. That could keep on passing on. We want to multiply the ministry. And so Jeremy gives a one piece of advice video, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this as well. My name is Jeremy Sanchez, and I have been involved in various levels of church leadership over the years. Currently, I serve in my local church, but also serve as a board member for the House of Blessing. And I would say in the years that I've been involved with ministry and also professionally, the one piece of advice I would give is, um, I would say, really a key word for me, which is empathy. Um, I find that in any situation with someone it's there's never a downside to trying to see something from their view Um, and that's whether it's it could be a conflict it could be giving any type of advice whether it's somebody who's um, seeking counsel um, or just dealing with a really tough situation i've found i always have an immediate opinion about what they say but I like to pause before I offer any kind of advice or insight and really try to put myself in their shoes. I think when you do that, it does a couple things. One, it shows that you're truly listening and you hear where they're coming from. It also allows an opportunity to get clarity or clarification on what they're actually looking for. Um, And then two, it allows you to really um, provide advice or give, give a solution that's really through their lens and not your own. Um, utilizing your own experiences to maybe advise them or, or give them some insight. Um, but I think when you can really try to see it through their lens, um, you really are able to engage with them in a more effective way um, and really demonstrate your compassion and care for them And when I put myself on the other side, when I feel somebody is being empathetic towards me, um, it makes me a lot more receptive to hear um, what they have to share because I I feel that they're really hearing where I'm coming from. So it's one of my favorite words. And I think in any situation, both in your personal life, in ministry, professionally, um, if you can keep empathy in mind in any situation, um, there's no downside to it. 
Well, I hope that this episode has been encouraging to you, really thought provoking and really giving you some inspiration to multiply, to invest in other church leaders. Guys, you can do it. Girls, you can do it. We are doing this together. And I hope that this example, even of this podcast of creating resources and inspiration and nuggets of wisdom to pass on to you. I pray that you pass things on to other people, not just by sharing it, maybe with the video, but internally investing uh, in yourself and processing these things and then passing that on to other people. I didn't want to give you one last resource because I like to give you recommended books. And this week's recommended book is Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson and Warren Berg. And there's really talking about just the power of multiplication. Hero Maker, right? We're not the hero of the story. We want to make heroes, invest in other people. And it's so important to our faith. Uh, He gives really five practices in this book about how we can make other church leaders strong, how we can pass our faith on to other people, how we can make heroes. Uh, number one, multiplication, uh, multiplication thinking. We have to think and, and, and really prioritize multiplying everything that we do. Number two, permission giving, passing that on. It takes permission. You give that information to other people and you say, you go for it. Number three, uh, disciple multiplying. We need not, not just pass on equipping and a, a skill set, but passing on our faith, Jesus making disciples and those type of things. Uh, Gift activating. We want to activate the gifts in other people and release them not to be like us, but to be like themselves and really speak those gifts and call them out and let them serve as God is equipped and bless them in that. And then finally, kingdom building. Kingdom building. It's about God's kingdom. Listen, if it was just about my church, uh, I wouldn't get very far uh, because I'm only discipling a handful of people or uh, groups of people in the process. But the reality is the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just the ministries or the people that we're in charge of or we're investing in. We're doing this thing together. That's why I value this ministry so much because I know my little effort can invest in you and it can affect those people that invest in other people and other people and it multiplies. It doesn't have to be about me, my glory, my church, or even this ministry, EE Leaders. This is just a platform and a vehicle to get the word out, to help uh, facilitate what God is doing and the spirit of God is moving and working in your life and whatever vehicle or ministry that is as well. And so uh, in this book, he says, hero makers have discovered that dying to self and living for God's kingdom through others is the secret of multiplied results and greater impact. I'm praying that you have a greater impact as you pass on the things God has taught you to other people. Uh, The key to becoming a leader, he says, who multiplies great leaders is having a kingdom mindset. And uh, man, I'll give you more quotes on our Patreon page is again, you could join that community. We give you resources like uh, Jason or Jeremy Sanchez's interview, or uh, not just um, a quick preview of what little thoughts that I have on this podcast about these books and resources, but I actually give you a lot more quotes so you can process, dive deep and do some little cliff notes. I know that everyone's busy. I love reading. I'm being able to read a lot of books and uh, pass that on to you. And I was thinking about sort of one other tool or one thing that I can sort of close our time with as far as passing something on to you, not just in a book form, but in a training form. And there's this simple training model that I want to encourage you to use. Uh, It's from this book, Hero Maker, but uh, it's just one of these things where you are able to really uh, train people up. And I think Paul did this with Timothy. There's five steps to training. Number one, you want to do the work and you want to have someone watch you. 
And then after you do that, you talk about it. So I do, you watch, we talk. Second, you do, and then you have the mentory help you do that work. Okay. So they're not just watching, they're growing in that and then they're helping. So they may watch you lead a small group, but then they're going to actually help you process and maybe ask a couple of questions. Then after the small group, talk about it. We want to have apprentice. How do you have an apprentice? Well, this is a tool. They watch, they, uh, they help, uh, but then they do. So then you do, uh, I help, we talk. So then you pass that ministry on to them. You let them lead and then maybe you only ask a question or two and then you talk. Put them in a position to actually practice the things that they're listening, uh, that they're learning and listening things uh, from you. And so finally, you do, I watch, we talk. Step number four in this process is you do this stuff. I watch you and then we talk. So maybe you lead the, have them completely the community group. You just participate or a small group. And then you guys talk about it. Give them coaching tips. Maybe if it's a preaching thing, you have that person preach or lead that event. And you just watch from the behind the scenes so you can give good coaching tips. Uh, lastly, after you, after I do, you watch, I do, you help, you do, I help, you do, I watch, uh, you do. And then someone else watches you encourage them the same same thing that they learned from you and the process you pass that on to other people who are you apprenticing now i know it's sort of hard audibly to maybe hear this tool but i'll put up this training model and the patreon page as well uh, it is in the book of hero maker he describes it in better detail but i know our time is up it's been so good so fun so awesome to be able to have this appointment with you this week we drop these episodes every two weeks for you to just dive deep uh, for you to process and so thank you for listening whether you're uh, driving whether you're watching on youtube whether you're working out man it is uh, a, a really a privilege to be able to speak into your life and i pray that as i'm passing this stuff on to you man you are passing it on to other people so thanks for being a part of our community uh, leadership lessons podcast i've been your host daniel williams and i'm excited to see you in the next episode god bless you guys praying for you